world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, it changed my hats today. I feel like I'm a little bit of a warrior mood. Myra got me going here in the in the pre-show. And by the way, if you um, if you're having trouble, technical problems today, please do not text me or email me. Text or email Spencer. He's the one that screwed the whole thing up. Somebody down there in our in our home office down in uh, Mayberry RFD. Literally, that's what I sit in Columbus. I sit outside Columbus, Ohio, and this broadcast is run down in. Mount Pilot. Is that where it is? Mount Pilot? Mount Airy. Mount Airy. Mount Airy. Down Andy Griffith. Where Andy, literally, this program is being broadcast through Mount Airy, where Andy Griffith, Andy Taylor, and Barney Fife and Opie. This, is, this show is broadcast out of that. I don't know how it works. I get here in the morning. I turn on the machine, and the producer sitting down there with Barney Fife is acting like Barney Fife because we can't seem to get the system work. Shazam, Andy, Shazam. So if you're having trouble getting in here and you email me, look, there ain't a damn thing I can do about it, all right? I knew I liked this show for a reason, Coach. (laughs) I just sit here and talk. That's all I do, okay? We'll go away. (laughs) Yeah, 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 Dan, Andy Griffith's show was good, man. It was good. We could. By, By the way, the Andy Griffith show, I don't know if you know this, the only one married in the entire Andy Griffith uh, show was Otis the Drunk. There wasn't anybody else, else married. Andy wasn't married. Barney wasn't married. And B wasn't married. Goober wasn't married. Gomer wasn't married. Otis the Drunk was. <laughs> oh, my goodness, my goodness. I, I'm, my mood's lightening up a little bit here as, as, we, as we go. Man, I gotta, I'm, I'm kind of up against the clock right now. We're, going to, we're heading to Wisconsin this weekend. Maybe you could throw that up on the screen, Spencer, on the for those, some of you, I hope get to see up there. Rob told me they're really getting the. They're gonna have a real nice crowd. Over over two hundred people already are coming to the Christian uh, Wisconsin Christian News. The great pushback against the Great Reset. And I haven't spoken a whole lot about it, but it's gonna be really really good. Sharam Hadian's gonna be there. Alex Newman, who's really good. John Dislin, we know John the Giant's gonna be there. Doctor Mike Spalding, and uh, uh, man, we got we got a lot of people signed up for that. So. Uh, I got to get packed. Uh, I did like, like on, I mowed sky high yesterday, man. I, I get, I sat up top at sky high yesterday and I just sat down there for a minute. I, I, folks, I want you to know this, understand this, that when I left, uh, Michelle and I left London, Ohio in uh, what year would that have been? 2000. Yeah. 1999, 2000, our last football season. When I, uh, I got sued by the ACLU, went through all that stuff. I quit my job. I quit my job. They, didn't, they never fired me. I quit it. And I picked up and did what you, what Robert Frost said. Robert Frost said, home is the place that when you go there, they have to take you in. Uh, we, we just left. I just left that. We just left. And I didn't have a job. Pulled up retirement. Tried to live, lived off to my retirement. We were broken, broke, broken, broke. Two kids in college. Uh, what a time that was! And I, I, I finished mowing sky high yesterday. I'm waiting for the pond to fill up, and I, I, I sitting up and I look down over that hill, and I just thought how, how, how merciful the Lord is, how merciful He is. He'll, he'll never, He'll never, He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And I just kind of sat sat there for a minute on my mower, and I looked down over that beautiful hill that I just mowed, and I said, "Lord, you're so good. You're so good." And uh, it's true, you know, uh, the whole idea that uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's the shadow of death. It feels like feels like death sometimes, right? It feels like it. Uh, 
Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And uh, I sat there on that mower and I was just 70 years old, lost everything. I didn't lose everything, but did. And uh, restored, restored. And just great, just gracious this morning. Thankful this morning. Thankful. I thought about Bob Evans. I was sitting up there last night, Bob, when the, when the power switch kicked on the cross. I was sitting there, literally, it was getting, it was starting to get, it was getting dusk on me. And I was, and for those of you who don't know, we have a lighted cross there. I could tell you that whole story. And Bob Evans is really the one who kind of masterminded that. And I was sitting there, got it on a timer, you know, dusk, the, the cross lights up. And I was sitting there when that thing kicked on. And I was just kind of a, <clears throat> just kind of sit there and say, wow, wow. It was a, it was a wild moment for sure. So I got a lot going on mode yesterday. We're getting packed. We got to go to Wisconsin. Got a lot of stuff going on. Yada, yada, yada. So bear with me. Uh, if, if my mind's a thousand different, different, yeah, Roger, he is faithful for sure. He's faithful for sure. So I, I look, I want to, <clears throat> um, I got, I got, I got some reaction. No, let, let, I, I have to say this. Okay. Folks, I'm, our donations are like, the bank closed me down or something. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're not going broke. Right. But I don't know how you are. If you're looking and, and you got, you're running a business and I'm not running a business. If I was running a Jimmy John's and there were no customers coming in <clears throat> at some point, you say, boy, I hope somebody, some big family comes in here. And you know, I just, if all of you guys out there could just a dollar a day, if you could just send a dollar a day, <clears throat> it would really, it would really take some pressure off of us here. All right. So thank you for that. And thank you for you. Those of you who faithfully contribute and, and you know, I don't come in on here and ask a lot about money, but uh, feeling the pinch a little bit here, just take that, take that for what it's worth. And I got, I got a great reaction yesterday about the show yesterday. I had several people say, wow, wow, coach, the hireling, the pastor, and I want, folk, I want you to ask you. I want you to ask yourself this question. And I'm, <clears throat> um, you judge a football team, you judge a coach by his team. You judge a coach by his team, but you have to first of all ask the coach or ask the people's evaluating the coach, uh, what am I being evaluated on? So when I was at Fairfield Christian Academy, many of you don't know that. Hang on, a stream of consciousness here, okay? But this is good. I'm going somewhere with it. <clears throat> When I was at Fairfield Christian Academy, uh, when I lost, uh, when I was, when I walked away from my job down in London, I got a call from Pastor Russell Johnson, who was a pastor at uh, um, uh, what the heck's the name, the church, Fairfield Christian Church. Uh, they had a school down there, and he said, "Coach, I'd like to uh, meet for uh, for breakfast or lunch or whatever. Uh, we'd like to start a football program. I want to know if you want to come down and be our football coach. I said, no, I've ridden that horse enough. No, I ain't going to do it. I said, well, let's at least talk about it. So I went out and talked about it. And in a matter of, you know, took about 35, 40 minutes. I called my buddy Norm and said, Norm, they, they want us to come down and start a program. And Norm said, why wouldn't we? And the next thing you know, we started another football program at Fairfield Christian Academy and uh, got really, really good down there and some good stuff. And then I got fired. And I got fired, literally, I got fired from a Christian school. And when I got fired from the Christian school, I'm sitting in the, uh, we had just gone undefeated, by the way, in the regular season. We had just gone undefeated. And I'd done my best to do, uh, to do, uh, to mentor the young guys, to do what I was supposed to do. And something happened. Uh, I don't mind saying this publicly, okay? Something happened. I I saw I won't mention who it was because that, that wouldn't be wouldn't be right, but I saw people, families being treated un, unfairly. That one kid got in trouble at school and he got really really punished, and another kid got almost the same thing, got kind of a slap on the wrist, right? And so I I opened up my mouth to it and I went to the guy who was in charge. Said, what's hey what's going on here? Huh? What's going on? I, I know what I was see. I was in the meeting where the discipline was handed down parents were there and and i sat there and i listened i said well, dude that's a, that's not what happened that's not what I, and I didn't say anything kept my mouth shut so I, but after the meeting was over i went to him and said, said uh, I, I didn't like what went down <laughs> uh, i didn't like what went down on there and i ain't gonna be part of that you want to continue to operate like that? i'm not gonna be part of that and uh about 10 days later I, they called me into a meeting and they vamoosed me now they vamoosed me we'd just gone undefeated 
I've done a great job of mentoring the kids. I trained them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I talked about being a Christian warrior, all those things that they would want, that you would want in a coach. In fact, in the meeting where they fired me, they asked me to resign. Actually, I didn't do it. In the meeting where they fired me, they said all that. You're a great coach. You're a great role model. You do. But they said, coach, you're not a team player. I thought, what? Are you guys sick? I'm thinking to myself, are you guys sick? Well, how can I build the teams that I build if I'm not a team player, if I don't understand team? And then I said to him something that was just kind of a, as I was walking out the door, I said, listen, you guys got it all wrong. I'm, I'm a team player. I'm just not on your team. <laughs> I'm on the Lord's team. Evidently, we've got two different teams that are at work here. I, I, I thought we were all on the same team, and we're not. So here's the point I'm trying to make, see. How do you determine the success of your business is what is the goal of the business? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. Is it making money? Is it serving a good product? What is the goal? So you always need to know when you go to a job upon what am I being evaluated? How how am I going to know whether I've done a good job? Well, in my line of work, coaching, it was always victories pretty much, right? But not really. Victories were a byproduct of building a team. And so in my line of work, it was building a team and watching, teaching lifelong principles to kids. That was that was what I thought it was. And see, when the evaluation came, I was evaluated on a different scale. You understand? You understand? I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. See, I thought they wanted me to train up kids. To, I, I thought they wanted me to be a Christian man. Coach them, mold them into a team, and mold champions for Christ. That's what I thought it was. Oh, but see, that wasn't the evaluation scale. The evaluation scale was I had to play along with their game. Uh, somebody put a thumb up if you know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? Mm-hmm. We, had two, we had two different agendas here. See, I, I didn't know it. I didn't know. Now, they said their agenda was the same as mine, but it wasn't. It wasn't the same. I don't even know what their agenda was, but evidently my agenda and their agenda didn't meet. It didn't meet, right? So that was, a, that's, that was my jumping off point yesterday when I was talking about the thief being the hireling pastor. Because, see, if you are working under a pastor who you think the goal is one thing, but he thinks the goal is another. There ain't ever, <laughs> it ain't ever going to work. It ain't never going to work. And that's why I would ask, you know, if I, if I was king of, uh, if I was the Pope, I, I would ask every pastor goes into the pastorate, why are you doing this? What is the goal? And how will we know if you're successful? Because look, during football, if the scoreboard was the evaluator, I, I get it. I get it. And if I'm going to be evaluated on how many points I put on the board, and at the end of the game, do we have more points? Is that the evaluation? Is that the is that the, the uh, is that the, what they call it? Is that the scale? Is that the scale? Because if that's the scale, I can do that. Yeah, I can. I can do that. Or is the scale to do it in a way that is honorable and truthful? Because I can do that too. But see, I can't always do this honorable and truthful and win. I can't always, can't always do that. Because sometimes I got to bench a guy. Sometimes I got to, you, you with me, friends? Sometimes I got to do some things that are for the overall good of the team, but doesn't show up on the scoreboard. Are, are you with me? And so when you walk into a church, you have to ask yourself, what's the goal of the coach? And is the goal of the coach the same as your goal? And many people, when they go into a church, they pick a church based on what? Whether they felt good there, whether they liked the message, whether they had a good program for their children. Are y'all tracking with me today? Y'all understand where I'm going with it here? So what we have to understand is what has happened. We're warned about it in the book of Jude that evil men, pull that up, Spencer, pull it up. I don't want you guys to... Look, this all ties together in me. We are in the mess we are in. I don't dislike pastors. I don't hate pastors. I'm not pastor bashing. But here's the reality of it. The people sitting in the pew are not operating by the same scale as the guy sitting standing in the pulpit. They're not. They don't have the same vision. They don't. Whether oh, they call that die vision, don't they? And where there is no vision, what happens? The people run around, don't know what they're doing. 
They don't know what they're doing. And so we have a church that we're, we're American church. We don't know whether you uh, wear a tie when you go to church or where you cut off, wear cut off jeans. We don't know if you wear a beard or whether you cut. We don't, we don't have any idea. We don't have any idea what it looks like, right? Beloved, I write unto you, give you all, uh, I give all diligence to write unto you. This common salvation is needful for me to write of you and exhort you. You should earnestly contend for the faith. Time out a minute. Time out a minute. What does that mean? I have to contend for the faith? What? I'm saved? I'm a servant of Christ? I'm a disciple of Jesus? What do you mean I got to contend for the faith? And contend for the faith with who? Who do I have to contend with? I got to contend with the faith for the lost? No, I'm not contending with the faith for the lost. I'm trying to bring them to the faith. I'm not fighting with them over the faith. Are you, are you body tracking with me? You tracking with me? And Jude said, you got to contend for the faith, which was once there for the saints. Why? For there are, there are certain men crept in unaware. Crept in where? Where did they creep in? We're not talking about lost people here. Evil men have crept in unawares. We didn't realize it. We were looking at one scoreboard, and they were looking at another scoreboard, and they crept in on us, and we didn't get it. Look at look here. Here's my little, look what stayed all night with me last night. Little Annie Banani. Huh? So these evil men crept in unaware, and who were before of old ordained to, <coughs> to this condemnation? <coughs> ungodly men. Ungodly men. Where did they creep in? Where did they creep in? Excuse me, got me going. Ungodly men. And what did they do? They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Would you pull that up for me, Spencer? I don't know if you can spell that good. Lasciviousness. I think we've been there before, haven't we? Mm. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, which is what? Looseness, irregular indulgence, indulgence of animal desires, lustfulness, wantonness, tendency to excite lust and promote irregular indulgences. So who crept in? Go back. Evil men crept in unaware. what they do? They turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Meaning, go ahead and do it, man. It won't matter. Love you, baby. God will forgive you. It's okay. Yada, yada, yada. Love everybody. Accept everybody. Tolerate everybody. Yada, yada. Right? And what they do? And when they did that, they denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So the pulpit is so critical because men have crept in unaware and they have a different agenda. Now, look. Some of them are evil men. Some of them are evil men. But not all of them. Not all of them are evil men, but the result has been the same. They've turned the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. They market the church. The Bible talks about merchandising his people. And I don't know, as I sit here right now, that little granddaughter come and sit in my life. I don't know about you guys. There isn't anything in my life more important than those things, those little kids. Nothing, not nothing. My my wife would be a top. That'd be tough. My wife, but I know this, my wife would lay down her life for them. So we're, we're unified. And so how can I, as a man of God, sit here full of the Holy Spirit and see the goal of the enemy, the total, complete destruction of my little granddaughter and not get involved with it? Not get involved in doing something about it. And like I said, they don't have to just be evil. Sometimes they're just I know, quiet and sissified, huh? huh? For you to know to do good and not to do it, to you, it is sin. That's what the Bible says. If you know you should stop transgender Amen. education in your school and you don't do it, it's a sin. Does anybody think I'm wrong? Anybody think I'm making that up? But why don't we do that? Because evil men have crept in unaware. And they're in the pulpits and they're saying, who are you to judge? Let's love everybody. Let's tolerate. Are you with me? Are you with me? See? That's what, see, that's what we're dealing with. Friends. That's what we're dealing with. That's why Joel Osteen has such a huge church. And TD Fakes and all those guys who literally tickle the flesh. Tickle the flesh. They tickle the flesh. So that was the point I was trying to, trying to make yesterday. This, our greatest, <clears throat> we're losing the battle because we've lost the pulpit. Boom. We lost the pulpit before we ever lost the battle.
Amen. Amen. The losing of the battle is a result of us having lost the pulpit. And I won't come in here every day and act like that's not going on. I I, I just won't do it. I won't do it. I refuse to do it. It's like a football. It's like I'm, I'm a football coach and I'm looking at our football team and I realize that the problem on our team is the quarterback. I love the guy, but he just isn't able to do what we need him to do. And what happens? So you put a new one in. We have to put a new one in. Oh, it's hard. I, I can tell you the number of times I've had to co- call a young guy into the office. I didn't have an office. Call this private in the locker room, sit down with the guy and say, listen, hey, we're going to make a change. Do you have any idea how hard that is? Do you have any idea how hard that is to look a young guy in his face, 17 years old, and say, look, man, we got to go a different direction. I'm not blaming you, but it just, it just didn't work, man. And I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to do the best I can to try, try to give you some playing time. Maybe we'll maybe we'll move you to wide receiver. Maybe we'll get you in the game as a defensive back. But you just you just can't be quarterback. And it's not quarterback. Sometimes it's left tackle. Sometimes it's linebacker. Sometimes it's defensive back. But see, we're not allowed in church to point that out anymore. Hey, hey, hey pardon me, uh, Clay. Uh, you're not holding up. You're not holding it up here, dude. <laughs> you're not holding it up here, man. And you're hurting us. You're hurting us, right? It's in families, it's in churches, it's in communities. What? People are not, they're not holding up their end of the bargain. And we will not get better if we just, oh, well, it's Pastor Timmy Toes, and his grandpa was pastor, and his dad was pastor, and it's Timmy Toes' turn, so we'll just turn it over to Timmy Toes. Well, what if Timmy Toes isn't doing the job? Well, it's all right. Look, Timmy Toes is, he's fresh and he's got, you know, he's got that nice look, his hair's puffed and he says really nice things and he encourages my, yeah, yeah. But uh, the evil one's creeping in the back door and Timmy Toes isn't talking about it. And we're all being surrounded by the enemy and Timmy Toes isn't talking about it. That's where we are, friends. That's where we are. Can I tell you why? Because the people sitting in the pew don't want Timmy Toes to talk about it. <laughs> because if they talk, if Timmy Toes talks about it, they're required to do something about it. They don't want to do anything about it. Amen. Are you with? Are you are you riding with me here? Are you, so, so that's that's our problem. That's why I come in. People see. I look. I don't want to come in here every day and beat up on the pastor. I don't want to do that. But that is the problem. It's the problem. <laughs> Sometimes you change the quarterback. Sometimes you have to change the coach. You can't change the whole team. Oh, Lord. I actually feel pretty good this morning. But I, I, again, I, I start out by saying, I got, a, I, got a, quite a, I got a lot of thumbs up yesterday. People said, you know what? I never looked at John 10 that way. The thief is the hireling pastor. Wow. And so when you're looking for a church, and I know some of you are, do you know what you're looking for? Do you know what you're looking for? Like when I take my wife out to eat, or she takes me out to eat, or somebody takes us out to eat, I think uh, every time Steve Deck comes by, Steve wants to go over here to, I can't remember the name of it, because they have the best roast beef sandwiches. Oh, man, they're good. Really good. So every time Steve comes, he wants to go eat one of those roast beef sandwiches. Well, I don't take him to Wendy's. I take him over there to eat the roast beef sandwiches because that's what he likes. That's that's what he wants to go. But see, look, if you're going to go to that restaurant, just eat the roast beef sandwiches. You're missing the whole point. (laughs) The sandwiches taste good. Yeah, they do. But what are you going to do when you find out that it isn't roast beef, it's squirrel? They've just been telling you it's roast beef. It's squirrel. And we're eating a lot of squirrel. Amen. Huh? You lied to me. That's a good one, Coach. It, it might taste good, right? And they may tell you it's roast beef, but you really don't know. You really don't know, do you? You really don't know. And so uh, are you, do you go to church for the roast beef? Is that why you go to church? And uh, again, I'm for I'm for churches, but I'm for smaller churches. To be honest with you, I went to World Harvest Church. I think I'm allowed to say that I got saved at World Harvest Church. Pastor Rod Parsley. I always be grateful to Pastor Rod. Always will be. 
led me to Christ. He didn't know me. I mean, he may know me now, but he didn't know me then. He led me to Christ, and I was in that church for five years. He didn't know who I was. 5,000 people in there, right? And they're all coming for a particular diet. That's why they come. And if they come for roast beef and he keeps serving up spaghetti, they're going to go, they're going to leave. And so he knows they want roast beef, not spaghetti. So he serves roast beef over and over and over. Because the Bible says they heap up for themselves, teachers. The, pa- the pastor's giving us what the people want. And that's how evil men have crept in unawares. They've turned the grace of God in, into a lie and worship and serve the creature. Amen. Uh, I could go on and on. I've used a half hour already. But it's so, it's so, so, folks, look, are you looking at me? The problem in America is the pulpit. The problem in America is the pulpit. Can you find that for me? Uh, the pulpit is, uh, pul- the pulpit is responsible. That, uh, who was it that said that? The pulpit is, re- so look for that, Spencer. The pulpit is responsible. Just, just type that in there. The pulpit is responsible. It'll pop up. The pulpit Finney. is, Finney. It's a Finney. Finney. Finney said, Charles Finney said, the pulpit is responsible for it. Look, folks, we can't pass the buck. If my quarterback isn't playing well, it's either my fault or he's no good. I can't just gripe about my quarterback. I got to find somebody to get a job. I got to change offenses. I got to do whatever. The reality is, there it is. <clears throat> uh, gee, many <clears throat> going down there. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. I mean, it's probably in there somewhere. The pulpit is responsible. The pulpit, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Right down to the middle, right in the middle. There it is. There it is. I still don't see it. The pulpit is responsible. The pulpit is responsible. <clears throat> you keep looking for it. That's not it. <clears throat> Come on then, Angie. Hey, Angie, it's the pulpit's yeah. fault. It's the pulpit's fault because they we want the pastor to feed us roast beef. We want him no. to. And when he doesn't feed us roast beef, then we, Charles said the pulpit is responsible. Down to bottom. Down to the very bottom. The Satan rules in the halls of legislature. Brethren, uh, brethren, our preaching will bear its its legitimate fruits. This is uh, Charles Finney. If immorality prevails in land, the fault is ours in a great degree. If there's a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. The public press lacks moral discrimination. Can anybody say amen on that? The pulpit's responsible. If the church is degenerate and worldly, what's the pulpit's fault? If the world loses interest in religion, pulpit's responsible. If Satan rules in our halls of legislature, the pulpit's responsible for it. If the politics becomes so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, dudes, it's a pulpit. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brother. Let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility and respect to the morals of the nation. Man, a lot smarter than me. Go ahead, Angie. Put yeah, in the chat. It. Put in the chat. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me, Coach? Okay, excellent. So, so I want to go back to, you know, we were kind of talking about, and I'm just going to use the aforementioned church that um, Pastor Russell Johnson was at, uh, because we, we were there when Pastor Johnson was there. He was a, he was a good man, patriot pastor, right? Yeah. He was always talking about the things that were happening at the cultural thing. But one of the things that we noticed is that, sure, that he represents the church at the pulpit, but honestly, you have boards of, of uh, leadership are they're comprised of men, elders, boards who are re- ultimately the ones that make the governing decisions in that church. And we went through a period of about seven years before we finally had eight, or maybe even longer, maybe ten years before we actually finally got the pastor that's there now. Um, and they, it was like we we just could not get like we have we went through probably five or six different pastors that came through there um they could not keep it that's a board problem that is a problem with the board so when we're talking about corporate church and of course we've since left that church because we've realized we realized that a couple things one they have a 10 million dollar debt now you tell me you tell me how you are trying to reach people for jesus if you've got that much debt hanging over your head it's not about getting people to believe in Jesus. It's about trying to get your bills paid at that point, right? When you you look at that, 
and then and then of course everything else you know again evil men have crept in unaware uh the the youth minister uh two years ago uh was on a sunday uh she's a she's the youth director she came in with her biden harris t-shirt on during <laughs> I mean, I, okay so after i heard that i'm like i you know we raised our boys in that church my middle son went to spiritual christian academy for a couple of years but i i say this all because it is a an example of it's everywhere okay mm. and these boards you know mm. and of course if, if you've got a founder like rod parsley and his dad founded his world harvest church okay that's different a pastor that's in control of the pulpit, but a lot of times you have these corporate boards of quote-unquote yep. elders that are running these churches that, that there is your evil men crept in unaware. And they're so, dictating it. So, Angie, uh, yeah. i, I got to figure this. When they fired me at Fairfield Christian Academy, the yeah. board must have met about it. The board must have met about it. Of course. It. And, yeah. I, and I, can't, I can't believe somebody didn't wait, stand up and say, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, is this a personality during, issue? What is this, right? right. Uh, that was during that time, you know, where they yeah, were going yep. through, through so much kerfuffle. Anyways, and they ended up firing Pastor Johnson, for God's sake. Yep. I mean, you know, that, I mean, that whole thing, that whole thing was a sham. And you, that's when we were kind of like, whoa, they've got a board problem. This is yep. not a pulpit problem. <laughs> Evil men have crept in unaware. That's, boy, is that for sure. Thanks, Angie. A lot of people don't even know what we're talking about, but I, I'm with you, dear. I get it. Clay, come on in. Coach, I know there's some people that's listening today that hadn't been to a, a huddle and they haven't been to a Sunday service at one of these huddles. And uh, some of the some of the services we've had in in hotel conference rooms or uh, or in somebody's living room at Linda Tibbs' house or under a or, tent under a sky tent. High. But at Gettysburg, what about Gettysburg? The Sunday service at Gettysburg with David Hebner playing the guitar. And everybody sharing what their thoughts were, and uh, people standing and singing and clapping. If you if you've never been to one of these, that's an authentic spirit filled service that you provide uh, for for the for the team coach, and uh, that's what I'm looking for in a church. And you can't find one around here. So Clay, here's my point. Here's my if you were to ask me, Coach, why do you do what you do? I'm, I'm going to be really honest, really, really. Well, that sounds like a lie a lot. I, look. I'm not looking for the lost. I'm sorry. At this ministry, we are not seeking after the lost. We hope to find them, but that is not my goal here. My goal here is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you guys would have to amen that I do that, right? That's what I, that's what I try to do. And maybe some of you think I don't spend enough time sharing the gospel or out on the street. Maybe you think that. Maybe you do. But see, again, what, what do you? You want roast beef or you want raccoon? Which do you want? I'm telling you, when you come in the door, we're serving raccoon here. We're going, we're going out, and we're we're going out, and we're killing varmints. That's what that's what we do here. And if you don't want to do here, that fine, then go someplace else. We're all cool. That's that's okay. But don't come in here and try to change what we do because this is what we do here, right? You, you with me? Sure, I know you, Reggie. Good morning, Coach. I was thinking about this because the Lord woke me up to one and two Thessalonians. I was actually on this subject today with the Lord. And and not I'm not I, I have to say, I think this is my perspective. I don't want to ever say that it's the pulpit's fault, and this is why. Did not Christ come <clears throat> and the apostles to teach the body? Is it not the the body's responsibility to seek after truth and to uh, discern and to pound it out until they understand that the people speaking before as though they are, you know, the ministers are walking with the Lord? Because I know Paul said, if I'm not walking with Jesus, don't follow me. So I kind of have a different view on that. It's something to really think about. I think it's the people's responsibility so much. Well, of course, Reggie. Yeah. We're, in, we're, in the, we're in the mess that we're in because the pulpit has changed what the purpose of the church is supposed to be. So everybody that you come in contact with, they've been under this old style of Evangelifish Christianity, that's yeah. all they know. Is and it's our fault that well, that's why I come in here every day and I try to grab you and shake you and say, Look around, look what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Amen. It's our fault, it's not their fault, it's our fault. We let our pastor do that. We let him get away with that. That that's he ain't king. He ain't king. In fact, 
when we all stand at the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to be in line just like you and me. He ain't going to be sitting up there in the court. <laughs> he's lying lying right behind me. Right? It's the job of the pastor to coach, coach people. Not king. He ain't king. Might as well be. Jack. Yeah, we're, we're all subject to that cyclical nature. Uh, hard times make hard men. Hard times in in when the like Reggie was just saying when the body gets serious, then we get a good pastor. But like you've been teaching, Coach, bad men creep in unaware, yep. and they and then we get soft people, and then we end up with hard times again. It's it's cyclical, and it we is. have to be on our guard all the time. That that quote from Finney, uh, short story, very short. Uh, first night of camp meeting. Um, opened the, the the new program for the week, and up in the top right hand corner was the quote from Finney. And I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty good in the bulletin. This is pretty good. So I went to my pastor and a couple of the other pastors, and I said, "Have you read that?" And I got him to make a. I got him to sign it. Huh. And I didn't yeah. make it. <laughs> I didn't make it back to camp meeting for about four days, and. I, I was coming up late, and my wife was already there. And don't you know, she's sitting in the middle row, three aisles, three rows up from the Pullman pulpit. So I walked down the aisle and crowd over to the thing. And I sat down, and the pastor, the, the director of the camp looked right at me, and he said, I want all the pastors to stand up. I thought, uh-oh, this is interesting. He says, our pastors aren't like this quote from Finney. We don't have any of those pastors. Wow. But you hypocrite. You hypocrite. You stood right there. He looked right at me. I knew what he was doing. And I know those pastors. And there are some good ones. But I know there's a few of them in there that are yeah. hirelings. Well, that, that's if the Bible's right true. At me. If the Bible's true, that is for sure. Dale. Well, hallelujah, brother. Being as a pastor here, I, there, you know, I, I think you were right. And I think Reggie was right. But the board of directors, I don't know, brother, but I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. Uh, a board-driven church, brother, right there is a demon-driven church, as far as I'm concerned. One, one of my, one, what you're saying is the job to equip the saints for the works of the ministry. And, and my, my thing, not only did I did, do here, but even in the business world is this. If I can't promote from within, coach, I failed. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that. that's the way I lay that, brother. If yeah. I'm not promoting from within, and that's why every Sunday morning we got we got more people speaking than um, lengthier than I do, brother, because I'm rearing up people and and to take that position, brother. If you've got to go outside of your church to find a pastor, that church has failed just just to my perspective because you've not trained anybody. That's right. That's right. You're you're supposed to reproduce you. That's what leadership is. Pastor Plant, speaking of pastors. Good morning, Coach. Um, I almost felt the gas when you said that that uh, your mission was not to see people saved. And uh, I actually preached that one time. Um, if you know, if you look at Jesus, if you look at the disciples, they engaged the culture. And what we have is is churches so focused on getting people saved they will do anything to do that and but yet they're not engaging the culture and and my argument is you will have more false conversions you will have more people lost and going to hell in a culture that promotes the garbage that we promote yeah amen that then you would trying to have a back to have to get somebody saved and Amen. you know jesus told the disciples he said he didn't say go get people saved he said make disciples <laughs> and i think the church's first and foremost mission should be to change the culture because that's where you get a lot that's where you get the most people saved it's a, I mean, it works hand in hand. You can't do 
anyway, that not, not know, everyone who not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. Folks, what does that even mean? What does that phrase that came from the mouth of the King of Kings? He says, not everybody who says they're one of us is one of us. We have more false conversions in the United States than we do true yeah. conversions by That's far. Right. That's right. Because you know why, Clint? There's never a demand put on the people. And I know this, right. my own experience, that the guys who show up in the weight room are the guys you can count on on Friday night. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, if a guy just shows up for the game, you're, you're going to get your ass beat. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> if it's the guy who's been there working every day when nobody's watching. Who gets the reward? Yes, but see, I'm sorry, that's a works gospel. We're not allowed, not allowed to well, say Well, we just want to be able to talk about how many people that we got saved. And, and you know, I'm telling you, most conversions in America are false. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. They don't know what they're signed up for. It's what I said at the beginning, Clint. They don't know what they're looking for. And we don't know how to tell them what they're looking for. And so... Yeah, they end up getting something they didn't. They weren't looking for that. And, and and a lot of it is because the church is not engaged. The culture, you know, the culture is is the way it is. And so, you know, we've got to manipulate people to get them at the altar to to get their names on the list. It's pathetic. Well, here's the good news, Clint. The Lord's burning down the fence. People are going to have to decide <laughs> which side they're on, baby. It's Amen. all good. It's so good. Judah, come on in. Coach, you talk about this stuff and you know what? People are, uh, they're, they're picking their lane. And as they, uh, they pick their lane, they're realizing, you know what? They got to be able to, like you said, show up in the weight room. You know, people who don't uh, play in the game, guess what? You didn't skip out on Tuesday practice. You know, mom and daddy didn't uh, say, hey, my son's going to play. Mm-hmm. You know, the best play because, you know, the head coach had a plan. And it's like, you know what, these, in a lot of churches, it seems, and it is, it's a fact, they're inwardly focused. Yes. They're focused on building walls of their own kingdom. Mm. How many saviors, how many, how many people can we get saved? But it's only inwardly focused where their business is, how can we grow their walls bigger? But see, Amen. Judah, see, they they think they think that's noble. See, they think it's noble, but their heart is that's not really where their heart is. And that's where the demonic force comes in because the money aspect takes over because yeah. the greed is focused inwardly versus taking the light and shining it outwardly. Yeah. You know, in in uh, Jericho, they they broke the walls down to get the message out. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. That, as, that's, I said, we, that's the focus. We read in John yesterday, right, that the pastor leads the sheep out. He leads them out, folks. If you, uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a good measuring stick here, right? If you go to a church and your pastor has never led your congregation out to do something. You better question why you're there. Amen. Boom. Has he ever led you out? Amen. So you say, well, coach, we, we do a soup kitchen. Okay, good. Awesome. That's mercy ministry. Have you ever done any prophetic ministry? Have you guys ever been to a school? Has your pastor ever said, hey, listen, uh, we're all going to the school board meeting tonight. Huh? I need you all to be there. Have you ever, has he led you out to do that? Probably not. Contend for the faith. Huh? Contend, earnestly contend for the faith. My other granddaughter just came down. I love Ritzy. Earnestly contend for the faith. Amen. It's it, to me, pastors. There was a good measuring stick. Have you led your people out? And then let me ask you another question. Why not? Why not? Hey, coach. Just yeah. to throw this with that, and it's just a uh, it's a symbol or a kind of a, a a picture of it. But if you look at Coach Nick Saban in his football teams, okay, we're not talking about. You know, just the body of Christ in terms of his situation. But if you look at the measuring stick of someone who's successful, this man has coached up, educated up, and put people at his competitor schools all over the nation who've all been successful. Because honestly, people don't know that he is, he's a Christian, you know, 
and he is pushing his people out beyond his own walls. He's preparing he the saints for the work of the ministry, right? They can go start their own ministry. They call it a new coaching job, but when they're under his tutelage, at some point they have the idea that they want to be, they want to do what he's doing, right? That's what that's what we should be doing in the church. Everybody ought to want to be doing what I'm doing. I think. I think. Tim. Look here. Well, you guys, I got two granddaughters over here in my multi-million dollar studio. Come on in, Tim. Hey, uh, just to keep it balanced, the Bible says that people who have itching ears go to the leader, the pastor, and have them itched by the (laughs) pastor. Right. So to keep it balanced, there's a lot of people that want their ears itched. Amen. Amen. But, But Tim, I think it comes back again to what is, why do you, what are you looking for in a church? What do you and for me, what am I looking for in a player? All right? Folks, we lose players every day here. Every day we lose players. That's all right. They decide they want to go play on another team. Cool. I'd rather they go play on another team than try to suck the energy or change this team. Because it says what? Evil men crept in unaware. They sneak in looking like they're with us, but their intention of coming in is to change what we're doing. Somebody say amen. You don't have to. I've been around a while. I amen. know how this thing works. Amen. I know how it works. Go ahead, Laura Ann. Come on in. Then Eileen. Uh, good morning, y'all. Um, what's happened, in, uh, Pastor Vlad made this point. We have homeless Christians now. Homeless Christians. We're homeless Christians because we don't have a home church. And that's the destruction of the family, right? Yes. yes. Okay. And there's a difference between these. What's what the missing link here is, is that these pastors that are the hireling pastors, they are career pastors. They're not called appointed and anointed to they're do what they're supposed pastors. to do. There's executive an absolute pastors. difference. It's a career. It's yes. just a job, you know, and and that's what they're doing. So they don't care what happens to the rest of their employees because, you know, we're their employees instead of it's that they work for us, right. you know, or they work for God. And then it's supposed to trickle down. It's, it has nothing to do with that. All we are is going to pay for a seminar of their, of the way that they interpret whatever they want to interpret it. And then their doctrine of demons come back into the community and you can go buy my books in the bookstore and then, um, and then continuing, this is what the Lord showed me last week. When we start talking about the doctrines that we're getting in our churches, we're spreading lies. So it's doctrines of demons and we're lying and slandering against God. And that's not such a good thing. Mm. It's not. So folks, you want to test the metal of your pastor, just go and tell him, uh, pastor, you know, this is going on in our schools, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to go to the school board meeting Monday night. Will you go with me? That'll be a good place to start. Eileen? Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, What's been on my heart is talking about evil men peeping in unaware. Well, I'm sure you just saw the FBI leaked memo that (laughs) now they're working, which with the Catholic Church hierarchy to target traditional Catholics. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And, right? and the people are still sitting there. <laughs> I know. I, they, they should run. They should run. They should run. They, they should run. run. Amen. That's what a normal person would do, I think, for sure. Yeah. Amen. Bless you, dear. Thank you. Uh, Kevin. Coach, let me draw a comparison here, one that's standing out in my mind. You know, when we're talking about hirelings you know evil men creeping in unaware do you realize that that actually meets the historical and technical definition of a false flag all right now when i say when i say false flag you think yeah you think more most people would think false flag event fbi comes in stages a bombing or a shooting blames it on the other side but a false flag is actually an old naval term from back when we had tall ships and sailing ships, okay? And when you wanted to come in, let's say you wanted to come in and attack a British ship, 
you would take a British flag and you would run that up and you would, you would come in under the banner of the British flag mm. to get close enough to then be able to attack. Okay. Now that, that is what these hirelings are doing. And what, yep. what would that ship be doing? He would be coming in to steal, kill and destroy. Wow. False and that's, flag. That's a false flag flying a false wow. banner. <laughs> well said, Kevin. Wow. Janine, then Myra. <clears throat> Once you leave the church um, and you start doing home fellowshipping, you will be so enriched. But one of the um, comments that you're going to constantly get is, well, who's the head? Who's, who's the head over you? Yeah. So my comment, I turn around and say to them, well, who has been your head? It should be Jesus Christ both ways, but in the churches, they don't have Christ as their head. It's their pastor. That's, that's, a, that, that's because, Janine, human beings by nature follow the leader. We, we, we need leaders. We want leaders. God ordains leaders. We get it, right? So the cry of the heart of the average uh, person is they want to be led. Now, listen to me, to those of you out there. Some of you are called to be leaders, not followers. Somebody has to give some direction to what's going on. I've begun here at Coach Dave Live. Many of you don't know this. Uh, Gary Pierce does stuff behind the scenes. Chad Estes does stuff behind the scenes. Clay Parker does stuff behind the scenes. I got, I'm, I'm trying to find the skills around me so I don't have to, uh, so I can lessen my load so we've become more effective. And Clay doesn't have to get my approval. Chad doesn't have to get my approval. They, they film in. Coach, here's what we're doing. For instance, we're planning our, our annual event. And I, I talked to Chad yesterday. I said, Chad, I'd kind of like to do this and this. And he says, and he tells me what he'd like to do. And I said, well, listen, we, we got to get the, I got to get you together with Gary because we got to get this coordinated. And what did Chad say? Oh, I've been talking to Gary. I've been talking to Gary. Right? Folks, this is the way, it's, this is the way a body is supposed to operate. Huh? I'm just, I'm just a coach. I'm just saying, you go there and you go there and you go there and you go there and then report back to me and how we, how we doing? Where do we need to change? I, come on, man. Come on, man. And if a pastor doesn't want to go to the abortion clinic, then all he has to do is say, hey, folks, listen, I, I'm not able to go, but Clay Parker's going. And anybody who would like to go stop killing babies, Clay Parker's going to be going on Tuesday. What time are you going to go, Clay? Oh, you go at nine o'clock? Anybody in here would like to go with Clay? Why, why can't we do that? <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. It kills me because I, I know how a team operates. Go ahead, Myra, then Roger. Yes, Coach. Thank you so much. In regard to men um, creeping on awares, titles 115 through 16. And I'm trying to get there. And oh, my God, my computer. Uh, Well, anyhow. Oh, I'm sorry, Coach. Uh, Yeah, titles one. Yeah, thank you so much, producer. Using my old laptop doesn't seem to want to work. On to the Pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelief is nothing pure, Nothing's pure. But, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They process that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every work reprovable. Thank you. Reprobate. Wow. Huh? What is that one? That's... Hey, Vinny. Boom! Boom! Roger Gates, come on in. Thank you, producer. Yes, coach. Uh, you know, one of the things that I have a, had a problem in the church with, uh, people thought that if you put a sign up and you're going to have revival in two weeks, they bring in all these high-powered speakers yeah. and all that, and that's revival. That's not revival. No. Revival is when men and women get on their knees and they get their hearts right with the Lord. And, and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take over and fill them. And then when they go out, it's a different story because it's not you doing it, it's him. And That's right. To revival breathe life. Is, to, to breathe, breathe life back into, right? Yeah, to breathe life it, back into, Roger. If, what, if people had a genuine revival in their hearts, you can't stop them from going out because that's what they want to do. You know, Amen. So when, you, when you just have religion and you're just going through the motions, you're sitting there going through do everything and you're expecting the pastor or somebody else to do everything and and that's where we are you know 
Amen, Betty. Amen. Uh, I just want, I want to share this real quickly. Dave, Allison, I'll get you in here in just a second. I, I got this text today, and I just want to share it with you. Okay. Because uh, a lot of you do a lot of work out there, and sometimes you don't feel like there's any fruit. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like that a lot. I think of the hundreds and hundreds of guys I've coached. I wonder how they're doing today. You know, I was coached at London High School. I was down there for a long time, 10, 12 years. I haven't had the first reunion. Not the first reunion, getting all those little football players together. Not one. Not one reunion of all those guys that I coached. Just great teams. And now they're 40, 45 years old. I don't, I don't even know what the heck's going on in their lives. Same thing down at Fairfield Christian Academy. I coached down there, I don't know, six, six, I don't know, long, six, seven years, something like that. Where are those guys going? Nobody ever gets a reunion. And so you just don't, you just don't know. And I get this this morning. Hey, coach, hope you're doing well. I don't know if you have heard or seen the kind of Easter service Transformation Church just put on last Sunday. But go watch the footage and tell me exactly what you think. I really appreciated your boldness in sharing the truth about Easter Sunday. This is a former player. I just heard an interview of a man talking about how our country is worshiping under the influence of Ishtar. My wife and I have been looking for a church, but so hard to trust the doctrine of the churches around here anymore. It almost seems like a risk to attend a church because of the poison being preached from the pulpits. Our country is so sick. Thank you for your ministry. I watch your show as often as I, I can. I'm so thankful that God placed godly men like you and Coach Norm and a few others to mold me in my formative years. You have no idea how crucial your impact was on myself. Quite a few of men that you coached. It's a frequent comment of all of us when we get together of how thankful we are that you coached our teams. Now, friends, I haven't gotten five of those in 30 years. Not five of them. Now, I'm not making a point here. I'm making a point. Do you encourage your pastor? Do you say, hey, pastor, listen, I know you probably caught hell by talking about that, but we need more of it. There are a lot of us out here, pastor. We want, we want to hear it. Because, look, if, if you, if, uh, folks, if you want groundhog and you don't ask for it, you're going to keep getting roast beef. You're going to keep getting it because everybody likes roast beef. So I get one email like that. I'm ready to go to war for another five years. That's all I need to know. Yeah, One guy yeah. changed. Okay, cool. Let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Dave Allison. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I had to come in on my phone. My internet is running slow. So, Coach, as we're thinking, again, I, I, I heard all the comments, and I agree with a lot of the fact that it, it, there's dual responsibility, the minister and the board. Stop and think about it. Young men go to the seminary. They teach them how to go in the ministry. A lot of, they teach them the business side of it. And then they go as candidates and they want a job and they want to do, you know, they've been taught and they know they have to please that board. If they don't please that board, they're not going to get that job. Amen. So that's, that, that is where it starts. And, you know, remember the Eagles had a song that pretty girls seem to find out early how to open doors with just a <laughs> smile. And you know what? That's what they're doing behind the pulpit. You know, I've heard that Joel Olstein will not allow a picture of him to be published where he's not smiling. See, he, Joel knows that, right? And, you know, when you stop and think about it, schools were not the first places to create safe spaces. Churches have become safe spaces. When Christians, we want to go to a safe space. Where do we go? We go to a church. We're going to be safe there. We're not going to be confronted. We're going to be made to be feel feel good. Yep. So I agree a lot, you know. If you're, but if you're, if you want to preach the unadulterated word of God in a pulpit today, you're going to find yourself in a very small congregation. Amen. Amen. Why? Because pretty girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. Right? <laughs> oh, Dave, that's a, that's that's a good catch there, man. That is, that is a good catch, right? So look, we all we all have to learn to play the the PR game. We all have to do that. <clears throat> I want you to know this. From me, from my standpoint, I get up every morning and I got to look at me. And I got to look at my wife. I don't have to please Bob Evans. I love Bob Evans, but I don't have to, I, I'm not here to please Bob Evans. I'm not here to please Clay, and I'm not here to please Gene Schroeder. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I got to be able to look myself in the eye and know from my own self-respect that I told you the truth. You don't have to like it. You don't have to eat it. I can tell you it's Hamburg and it might be squirrel. 
but I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you straight. And until we start living like that again, until we start being, if we, until we start being brutally honest and open with people, we're going to remain in this mess of tolerance, and diversity, and I'm okay, and you're okay, and why can't we all just get along? Well, the reality of it is, folks, we are at war. The, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman are in an eternal conflict. And until we realize that and engage in that battle, we're going to continue on with this mess that we have. Blessings. See you tomorrow.